Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to more of Healthy Matters. We're doing an open line show today. Dr. David Hilden is back. Good to see you you again. Thank you, Danny. It's good to be back. It's always good to be back, isn't it? It is always good yeah. to come home. I was in New York. I did some fun things out there. And thanks to my colleague, Sam Ives, for, for filling in. Sam's a very smart guy. I don't know if, uh, if, if you missed the show last week with Sam. He's an internist. He, he went to all the good medical schools. He, I think it was North. I think he went to I think he went to med school in Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, uh-huh. near Chicago, one of the best there is. Then he did his training out in UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, also one of the best there is. So he's a smart guy. He is. So I appreciate Sam filling in for yeah, me. It was, it was always good to have Sam here. Uh, however, you're back with uh, another open line show. For those that may be new to the show, that, that means your general health questions for Dr. Hilton. Uh, we're not talking any about any particular topic. Uh, let's open up the phone lines. What do you say? 651-989-9226. If you want to call in your health questions or send like some folks have already done, uh, send the text to the doctor, 81807, 81807. People must already know that number. Oh, I'm sure they do. Because we have texts that come in before we even go on the air. Absolutely. So people know the text number. They want to get in. That's a smart thing to do too. So so don't wait till the end of the show because sometimes we run out of time, yeah. as you know. Hey, Denny, I was going to talk uh, while yeah. we line up some calls. I was going to sure. um, mention something about uh, that I've learned a great deal about in the past week, and that's smoking, and even more importantly, it has to do with electronic cigarettes. You've seen those electronic cigarettes oh, yeah. that yeah. people are doing? So I was um, in the last couple of days, I was at the American College of Physicians, which is my professional home, my professional organization right here in downtown Minneapolis, and one of the one of the subjects that I was talking about to my colleagues was electronic cigarettes. And I see it everywhere. And when I was in New York, I saw people doing it all the time. If you see somebody walking down the street with an occasional cloud around yeah. them, that's usually an electronic cigarette. And I, I looked up to see whether these are healthy or not because it's been in the news a lot lately. And what I learned is that electronic cigarettes, really it's just a little piece of liquid nicotine that gets heated up. But it by is a, nicotine. But though. it's nicotine, yeah, but it's in a little battery-powered thing and then you inhale it. And so it's very it's an interesting story because for adults who smoke cigarettes, if you are an adult smoker, electronic cigarettes are probably almost certainly much healthier for mm. you. Because compared to cigarettes, they don't have smoke. They don't have can you know all the cancer-causing things. What they do have is the addictive nicotine. Mm. So, but if you're already addicted to nicotine, 
it's better to, to use electronic cigarettes. So that's kind of a good news story. But then there's a huge bad news story to electronic cigarettes, and that is it's their effect on children and, and teens. Kids who have somehow learned that, yes, they're a little healthier for you, and they're easy to get, and they're easier to sneak into school. Hmm. And now the newest electronic cigarettes look like a flash drive, just look like those little jump drives that you know you plug into that your tiny. computer. They're tiny, and you can charge the, your cigarette on your computer, and you can go into the bathroom at school, and they're so small, no one knows you have one in the palm of your hand. Kids are even vaping in the classroom, teachers are saying. No. And so what the, the medical studies have found is that for adolescents who do that electronic cigarettes, that vaping, they are nearly four times as likely to become a cigarette smoker later. So that's a huge downside. So the FDA just this week is moving to ban the sale of electronic cigarettes in convenience stores and the like. It'll mostly have to be online. So was, I thought it was fascinating. So if you are a smoker and you're having trouble quitting, electronic cigarettes are probably something you might want to think about. But if you're a parent or if you're a teenager, they are not healthy. They are not safe. You should not start them. So oh. it's a kind of a mixed bag message. But I thought that was rather I read that story just this week about how many really young people, really young. 12, 13, 10-year-olds. Yeah. And, 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 and it is kind of a mixed bag because, you know, it's, it's healthier than cigarettes. But nicotine is the addictive yes. part of cigarettes. So if you've got a 12-year-old or a 13-year-old or a high school kid vaping in school thinking it's safer than cigarettes, well, they're still getting hooked on the cigarette, uh, on the nicotine. They're sure. getting, and then they get a little bit older. Next thing you know, they're buying unfiltered cigarettes or they're buying combustible smoking cigarettes yeah. or filtered cigarettes. So bad for your children. Do not give the message that it's okay to start no. vaping. It is not healthy. Wow. But, but if, you are, if you are an adult smoker, an adult who smokes, it's probably a better alternative. All right. 651-989-9226 for your general health questions on an open line show on Healthy Matters. Uh, let's go to uh, Alan in Minneapolis. Alan, you're on with the doctor. Hi. I was diagnosed uh, in the summer with plantar fasciitis and hammer toe. So soaking my feet and using the rollers and that type of thing, the plantar fasciitis is much better, but the hammer toe seems to just keep getting worse. Is there anything that can be done for that besides the little pads you put under your toes? Yeah, yeah, Alan, those pads are going to be the first thing I suggested that you can do on your own. Um, uh, I have a, a a friend who sells shoes up in St. Cloud, and he would tell you the first thing he would say is to get correct fitting shoes. That'd be the first thing. But there is, um, and so go to somebody who can fit you for shoes. Do that. You can wear the little pad things. But there is, if your hammer toe gets bad, and, and for people who don't know what I'm talking about or what Alan's saying is your toes get kind of deformed and they look like a little hammer. Um, they get, Their toes get bent. A surgeon can fix that. They do it when it starts to become painful and really affecting your, your gait and your walking. But they can do a, they can do some uh, a podiatrist can do a, can do a corrective surgery on that. The pads aren't going to correct anything. You might try a physical therapist as well who's who's good at feet to just kind of work on some exercises of your gait, your stretching of your feet. You, um, uh, doing there are there are actually exercises for your toes that people can do. So I might suggest that as well. So good fitting shoes, pads on your toes physical therapist, and then see probably a podiatrist, someone on the um, like uh, Nikki Bowerly, the head of podiatry at Hennepin County. Um, uh, she's a fantastic surgeon, uh, Dr. Bowerly. 
um, if you want to if you want to see. Uh, I hear a that's a pretty successful. Surgery. It is pretty successful. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good luck, Alan. Uh, there was a text that came in uh, earlier today this morning. All right. Let's About see. having trouble swallowing food. Yeah, let's go to the text. It says, what would cause, this is from the text line, what would cause my food not to go down? Feels like something doesn't open up. It is blocked. After a few seconds, it opens and all is back to normal. Could this be acid reflux? Doesn't happen all the time or every day. What kind of doctor should I see? So that you should see a gastroenterologist, a GI doctor. Problems with food not going down are what we would call a motility problem, M-O-T-I-L-I-T-Y, motility. Things aren't moving. And the questions that they will ask this texter are, is it only when you eat solid foods? Do, is it troublesome? Or is it also when you eat liquids uh, or swallow, you know, drink liquids? Because there's a difference. You can imagine a liquid might um, – might just go down into your stomach based on gravity, where a solid food requires more muscular coordination. They'll ask you if you have heartburn because the texture is correct. One of the reasons food doesn't go down is due to acid reflux. That could be one of the causes. Um, It could be due to other kinds of blockage, strictures. The strictures are like a little ring or a little scarring in there. That can happen. Yes, it can be due to cancers, although that might be a little less common. Um, but it could be to any of those. There is a condition called achalasia, which is a motility issue where the muscles aren't coordinated. So there's a lot of things that could be um, going on in your esophagus. It's an interesting thing of human physiology that the act of swallowing is really complicated. Mm. It's really complicated. The first portion of your mouth, your throat, and the upper part of your esophagus, you have control over. You can swallow. And all of us who have good function, normal functioning, can swallow your own saliva, for instance. You have to initiate the swallowing. But once it gets past your throat, down into the into your chest, your esophagus has to take over. And your esophagus is a muscular structure that coordinates the movement of the food down into your stomach. You have no control over that. So um, uh, some of the things are, are coordinated, some of them are uncoordinated, some of them are due to acid, some of them are... So there's just a lot of different causes. So see a gastroenterologist, otherwise known as a GI doctor. They do a number of tests that are, um, that are really pretty good at determining why your food isn't going down. Very good. 651-989-9226. Send a text if you like. 81807 on this open line show today. Back to the phones, Dr. Warren. It's calling from Matamidi with a question. Warren, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've got uh, horrible shoulder joint problems. I was at the orthopedic folks, and they said I have severe osteoarthritis and a torn rotator cuff, and they're recommending I'm going to have to have shoulder joint replacement surgery, which just completely freaks me out. And I was wondering about whether any kind of, I've heard a little bit about stem cell. Is that anything that I should look into? Yeah, um, I think uh, it's, Warren, thanks for your call. Uh, you are a little, you are correct, or I should say you're, you're not um, overreacting to a shoulder surgery. Sounds like a big deal. You know, you don't do it until you have to um, in this case. It's not one of those things that we do real early. Uh, um, but it does work. So that is your ultimate solution if you really can't use use your shoulder. Uh, I would make sure you're doing things like physical therapy. Do that for sure because rotator cuff things and even arthritis um, issues can get better with strengthening exercises and with a range of motion exercises. 
You might try shoulder um, injections with what we used to say is cortisone. It's a corticosteroid. But your question is about stem cells, and I've, I've mentioned this on the air before. They do show some promise, but I have in the past, and I will again today, acknowledge my ignorance about it. That's kind of where I'm coming down. I need to learn more about it because you are not alone in asking the question. The way it would work is that stem cells are, are cells that are able to develop into any, any other kind of cell. That's how, we, that's how your body is built um, when you're uh, just an embryo in your mother's womb. And, and so if you could inject a stem cell that has the potential to regenerate the tissues in your joints, that would be a good thing. I don't think there's very much long-term data. Uh, there, there, there's lacking in scientific studies to prove it, whether it has long-term benefit, whether it's long-term safe, whether any of that. But it does have a theoretical uh, basis to it that is promising. So I don't know yet, Warren. I can't give you the, 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 the scientifically based answer, which is what I always try to do on the show. And so I'll, I'll very much qualify it with just by saying that I think it's promising. Okay. We need to take a break, but we have more show to come. Judy, you hang on. You're going to be first up here on the phone. And there is another line open if you want to fill it with your question for Dr. Hilden. 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. Healthy Matters on this Sunday morning here at News Talk 830-WCCO. 28 degrees. That's the high for today. And welcome back to Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. Your calls and text messages driving the show uh, questions for Dr. David Hilden. As you can see, Doctor, we have callers, we have texters, uh, and we promised Judy, who's calling from Hopkins, that she'd be first. Thanks for waiting, Judy. What is your question? Hi. Um, I have a question on the e-cigarettes. I was under the impression that it was not so much the nicotine that was harmful, but the chemicals uh, in the oils which delivers the nicotines. Can you speak to that? Please? Yeah, that, Judy, that's a great question. Um, what, that is what is largely unknown about e-cigarettes. So I'm not talking about combustible cigarettes that you light with a match. The e-cigarettes are, it's a liquid that is vaporized by the heat source in the e-cigarette, in the, e the battery-powered heat source. And the key component is the nicotine. You get the buzz off of it, you get the hit off of it, you get the the, the, the effects that smokers like from the nicotine. But your point is right on the money. There, We don't know what else is in that vapor. There has been they've, – they've measured formaldehyde in there. Yeah, and, well, that's not a good thing. That's, a, that's an obviously bad thing. There are other substances, chemicals in the liquid, in the oily stuff that you are mentioning. And that is the part that is entirely unknown about how safe is that. I think it is likely to be that we're going to find that e-cigarette vapor has other harmful things in it. I think that that's going to be likely. It is not just pure nicotine. It is a manufacturing process. It's going to have other things in it. I think that being said, relative to a smoked cigarette, it's probably going to be healthier. Most of the, the expert opinions on e-cigarettes think it's going to be probably 90 to 95 percent safer than a cigarette but it's going to be way not safe compared to nothing at all. Yeah, Good points. Those right. are really good points, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Uh, Carol's calling from Brooklyn Park with a question. Carol, you're on CCO. Good morning. Uh, yes, I have a question. I had to go in for a pre-op this week, and the doctor checked my hemoglobin, which was 9.4, and so then she ran a test checking my iron. 
She said it, she left me a phone message and said it should be between 8 and 388, and mine was 6. She prescribed some um, iron pills. Do you know why, why it would be so <laughs> very, very, very low? Um, is it a medication I'm taking that would make it so low? Right. Those are your question. Uh, your question, Carol, is the sixty-four thousand dollar question, and is the one that you need an answer to. Why is it so low? You have a very common condition. You have iron deficiency anemia, which is not enough iron. Iron is a building block of the heme molecule, H-E-M-E, which is the basic um, component of your red blood cells. So if you looked at your red blood cells under a microscope, they're supposed to be red. Yours would be pale or pink, you know, and they would be um, not enough iron in them. So the, the, the problem is that you, we don't know why. I would make sure that you go and get additional testing to find out why. You can never just say, well, I'm iron deficient and it's okay. I'll just take iron tablets and we'll let it go. For older adults, and I don't know how old you are, but for older adults, you, you have to find out if, A, are you losing blood somewhere? You could be losing blood that you don't know about. Um, like in the most common place would be your intestinal tract. You could, let's just say you have a little polyp in your colon, a benign polyp, not cancer, just a little polyp in there, but it's oozing blood. Well, over time, your, your hemoglobin will drop and you would never know it. But you could take that even further and let's just say there's something worse in there. There's a tumor that's oozing blood. You would want to know that. Um, other causes, you could be maybe not absorbing iron through your diet very well. You could have a, a non-tumor, a non-cancerous cause of you just not absorbing iron very well. Sometimes that absorption problem is due to a medication you're taking. So if you're on proton pump inhibitors, acid-blocking medicines, antacids, you could be on some, some other medicines that is preventing the absorption of your iron. So your question is, is, could it be a medication? It could be. But you have to rule out those other more serious causes. So... Um, and in young women, for instance, if, if you're a 25-year-old woman who's having a monthly menstrual cycle, the most common cause of blood loss happens every month. And so that's a whole different cause than an older adult. So go and find out what the cause is. Um, it can be done with blood tests. If you have not had a colonoscopy, you should have that done. If you're, Somebody should look at your medication list to see if there are any medications that are interfering with absorption. When you do take an iron tablet, there is a little new bit of information. We used to tell people to take it three times a day or even twice a day. That has now been shown to be ineffective and not necessary and actually causes constipation. So I would encourage you to take your iron tablet just once a day. That's probably the best amount to take it. Very good. Thank you, Carol. Debbie in Malacca has a question or a comment. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning. I was going to go back to your stem cell. Do you know how they get the stem cell if you're going to have the stem cell? Does it come from your own body or is it a Petri dish stem cell? That's a good question. I have no idea. Um, if, it, if it's from yourself, it would be called, it would be called an autologous stem cell, came from yourself. Um, uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. I think they come from a Petri dish. That's what I think. If anybody knows that, text me. And here's what I'm going to do about the stem cell thing, Debbie. I am going to get somebody who knows. Now, I will tell you, at my institution, which is an academic medical center, Hennepin County Medical Center or Hennepin Healthcare, 
We are a major teaching hospital of the University of Minnesota Medical School. I'm on the faculty of the University of Minnesota Medical School. I'm an associate professor. So I have to do things that are, and I believe I need to do things that are scientifically based. That being the case, I don't have anybody at our hospital who does it because it's probably not quite ready for prime time. But there must be somebody that I can find either at my institution or elsewhere who has um, the expertise about it. And I will get somebody on the show in the next few months. And maybe we'll do something on the blog at myhealthymatters.org as well. I don't know where they get the stem cells. All right, we'll Good question, out. though. We have about a minute to go. And uh, just a reminder, we'll have another half hour of the show to go. So the folks on the line, stay there. Texters will pick up on your questions as well. Do I have a second to talk yeah. about strokes, Denny? Mm-hmm, sure. So maybe you've had a stroke if you're listening. Maybe a loved one has had a stroke. It is one of the top five common, uh, most common things that people die of in our country. Maybe you're living with someone who has had a stroke. Well, we offer at Hennepin Healthcare a stroke survivor support group. And I want to invite you to, to consider it if you're in this group. The, the, the Stroke Survivor Support Group meets on the second Tuesday of each month at 2 p.m. in our clinic and specialty center on 8th Street in Chicago in Minneapolis. This Tuesday, November 13th, is the second Tuesday. So if you are a stroke survivor or a family member of a stroke survivor who has questions and wants to meet other folks and learn a lot of information and get support, please join us. For more information about the Stroke Survivor Support Group, go to hennepinhealthcare.org slash stroke. Very good. Again, hang on. Those uh, folks on the line, uh, texters as well. Text number, by the way, is 81807 or call us 651-989-9226. More Healthy Matters straight ahead here on CCO. Overcast, currently 28 degrees in the Twin Cities. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden. Internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. It's an open line show today. What does that mean? Your calls and your text messages drive the show. Your host, Dr. David Hilden, is picking up on a lot of text messages, and I know you want to get to them, but before we do, let's, let's, John has been waiting there in Amory, Wisconsin. That's a good idea. Let's help John out here, and then we'll grab some text messages. John, what's your question, please? I'd like to know what the statistics are of the rejection rate on replaced heart valves. Good question, John. It's not very um, – They, I don't know. Um, um, I won't be able to give you rates, so I'm not even going to give you any numbers whatsoever because that's not my area. But, but I can say a little bit about heart valves, and they don't get rejected really. That's not really the problem. There are – there's a number of ways that bad heart valves can be operated on. The old-style valves um, were all mechanical, um, which means it's just metal or plastic or high-tech um, artificial parts. Now, they still do mechanical heart valves, and the success rate is very high. Um, they don't get rejected so much. What you just need to do is make sure your blood is thinned after taking them. 
Then there are what we call um, bioprosthetics. In other words, they're made of partially um, biologic material, usually from pigs. And so the parts of the valves are pig valves, you know, hogs, and part of it, and they, that's how they put those in. They also don't get rejected, really. That's not really the problem. Um, more, oh, modern maybe isn't the right word, but in the last decade, um, little less invasive techniques of valve repair have been done or valve replacement that gets done through your blood vessels. So they are a little less, um, a less of a big deal of surgery. And again, rejection isn't really the problem. Um, the, the worry is more how long are they going to last? And these valves are now lasting a great long time. Uh, I have people who have got valves in their, in their, in their body for 10, 20 years you know, or longer. And so these valves are very good now. So you should ask your surgeon, do they intend to do like a TAVR, which is an aortic valve replacement through your blood vessels, or do they intend to use a bioprosthetic valve, the one that uses animal parts, or do they intend to use a mechanical valve? All of them are legitimate, well-studied, well-proven techniques. And then they can just do repairs. They can repair some of your valves. So depending on what kind of valve you need and what kind of surgery they're going to do, um, you should ask your surgeon those very questions. How long is this likely to last? What's the duration of the valve? And what are the potential complications? Um, th- those are kind of some of the questions I would, I would ask, John. All right, tell you what, before we go to the text, uh, Helen in Mound uh, has called in with a question. Helen, thank you. What's your question, please? Well, I'm, I'm a little curious about the, uh, the pill Valsartan. Um, I was uh, quite shocked when, when one evening at 5 o'clock uh, I got a call from my uh, uh, pharmacist and said, uh, Helen, you are val- on Valsartan. I said, yeah, I have been for a long time. And, uh, and uh, it was recalled. Uh, and there's nothing on the news or anything about the dangers of how many years. Now, I had my, my, uh, my believe it or not, my, my eye doctor, I was going through some uh, uh, eye tests and stuff, and, he, and I said, told him, I said, gosh, I'm, I'd have to tell you about Dr. About Valsartan. And he said, well, I can look it up. He said, you've been a patient of mine with glasses for years. And he found that I started in probably about 2006 or earlier. Now, how do I find out what the, what the, uh, um, this, what I'm doing? Yeah. You know, uh, the Valsartan is a very, very dangerous. I had, they said, bring the, you know, the drugstore said, bring, bring the bottle over and throw it in the, you know, in the bin. Yeah, I okay. My Valsartan is a well-established, safe, great drug. So, Helen, that's my first comment. I there, it, it, to my knowledge, there there is no recall of the everyone who's taking Valsartan. In fact, I don't want anyone who's on Valsartan to get the impression there's something wrong with that one. Now, it is. I so I don't know what they're talking about from your pharmacy. To be honest, maybe maybe the specific batch you got. Had a manufacturing problem, or, you know, and you know they have lot numbers or like a serial number. Maybe the ones they dispensed, maybe the manufacturer of your Valsartan, you know, had a health problem or something, and it's your specific batch, and they simply need to replace it with a different batch of Valsartan because it's it can be made by any number of companies. As a general rule, Valsartan is an extremely effective medication. 
um, for a number of conditions, most notably high blood pressure and very notably for heart failure. Um, it's very good for those two things. It's in the class of medications that are well proven to be effective and, and um, safe. And though that class of medications is called the angiotensin receptor blockers or ARBs, A-R-B. They are, Valsartan has a lot of cousins. They almost all end in the suffix sartan, S-A-R-T-A-N. But I would, I would say find out from your pharmacist. Call the pharmacist. What's wrong with my Valsartan? Because it's not been, there's no safety recall. It's not been taken from the market. In fact, it is still a highly effective medication. Right. So I, if, you, if other listeners are on Valsartan and you get a call about it, find out what's the real deal going on. Don't simply stop taking your Valsartan. Um, it's a good medication. Now, no medication is perfect. Every medication has some side effects and long-term effects. But this is a well-established, proven, effective medication, Helen. All right. Let's uh, grab some text messages uh, that have come in. All right. We go back to um, here. Someone says, um, my uncle is 91. He is taking metformin, and it is causing diarrhea. And is it necessary at his age? Thank you. That I appreciate this question because we have people at the you know in their nineties taking medications, um, and you, I think it's a really good question question to always ask: Do I still need to be on this thing? Metformin can cause some diarrhea. Metformin's goal is to reduce your A one C or to get your blood sugars under control in diabetes. If your blood sugars are reasonably controlled and you are in your 90s, it is possible that you don't need to take it any longer. So this texter, my, my, I should never say specifically on a, on a radio program, should you or should you not be taking a medication, but it's certainly possible. We, we um, tend to allow older adults to let their blood sugars run a teeny bit higher. The goal for you is to prevent having hospitalizations due to high blood sugars. But that is less of a problem um, than having too low of blood sugars at your age. Um, So I would for sure talk to your doctor and say, hey, does he really need this metformin anymore? It is possible that you do not. Um, Here's a question that says, can you talk about gout and its causes? Gout is caused by excess uric acid in your body, in your bloodstream, which then forms crystals um, it's, uh, they form these crystals, which then can cause all kinds of problems. Most notably, the problems are joint problems. Those crystals congregate in your joints, and they, they get swollen, and, and very importantly, they get painful. And I'm talking really painful. People with a gout flare, um, just it, it's really painful. Um, it's the most common place is in your big toe, believe it or not, um, a condition called podagra. But it can be in any joint of your body. So there are medi- if you have an acute flare, that's treated with anti-inflammatories. And then if you have a recurrent flares of gout, um, we often put you on a suppressive daily medication. Let's see. Um, here's a, a text that says, will physical therapy help stenosis in the neck area? Injections aren't working for me, and I don't want surgery. Thank you, Mary. Um, I would for sure um, go to a physical therapist, Mary. Um, there are, they can work on stretching and strengthening and range of motion exercises to help for your neck. So the answer to that is yes. If you have neck pain, I would for sure go to a physical therapist. Okay. Let's take a quick break. We have more show to come. A text number, by the way, is 81807. Overcast, we've exceeded our predicted high by one degree now. Our current CCO temperature reading, 29. We'll be right back. And welcome back to this portion of Healthy Matters. This is an open line show today. Your calls and text messages 
for Dr. David Hilden. And as you can see, a lot of text messages. Let's see how many we can grab. All right. I'll try to be quick about some of these. What causes... Um, Oh, it didn't come through in the text. Dermatitis and what's it? Sub, oh, I bet it's seborrheic. What causes seborrheic dermatitis? That is a greasy skin condition um, off the scalp or often of the face. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, it can be easily treated with uh, a, an antifungal type of cream or lotion or shampoo. Um, it's a non cancerous condition that some people are just susceptible to. Um, here's, a, here's a text that says, What does the diagnosis, quote, Failure to thrive, end quote, mean in an elderly person? Can people recover from that diagnosis? Failure to thrive is a term we use all the time in medicine, and we probably shouldn't. It's not a good term. It doesn't really have specific meaning. It is just when your team of doctors or caregivers um, sees an older adult who just doesn't seem to be making it on their own. Um, They seem to not be thriving in their independent community. Um, Maybe they're not getting a lot. They're dressing, they're grooming, they're bathing. Maybe they're losing weight. Maybe their mood isn't so great. They're just what another sort of colloquial term we sometimes use is they kind of have the dwindles. You know, that's a term we sometimes use, you know, in in non-professional settings, you know, just among ourselves. Yeah, they kind of have the dwindles. It's not a good it's not a good term. We shouldn't use that. What we should do instead is find out what is going on with older adults. What is it? Is it, is it a depressed mood? There's treatments for that. Is it a, a, a dietary problem? There's treatments for that. Are they falling? There's treatments for that. And so I think it's, we should be more specific. Failure to thrive is a little bit of a medical professional cop-out where we just say, well, they're just not making it. They're old. Well, that's not a good term to use. I don't think geriatricians love that. So can you get over the diagnosis? Is there a treatment for it? Not specifically. There's not a specific treatment for failure to thrive, but rather try to find out what's going on in the older adult and address the, re- the reversible causes. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, just diagnosed with tinnitus. I have researched this diagnosis and would like to try acupuncture for treatment. Does Hennepin Healthcare have anyone who does this and who would I call? Love the show. Thank you. To this texter, a resounding yes. We have a half a dozen acupuncturists. Um, I don't know if one or more of them does tinnitus specifically, but call us up, 612-873-6963, and ask to speak to the acupuncturist. They are in a number of our clinics in the community, not just downtown, but in the community as well. Um, And uh, we have an integrative health uh, clinic, a special clinic for for integrative and complementary type of things. But we also have acupuncturists located at our, our regular clinics throughout the community. 612-873-6963. 612-873-6963. 612-873-6963. 612-873-MYMD and ask to speak to one of the acupuncturist um, specialists. Here's a text that says, is having a prolapsed uterus dangerous? It can be. It's usually more of an inconvenience, but it can lead to all kinds of medical problems. A pro, a most notably, urinary incontinence. Um, it can cause some pain. It can cause bleeding. So a prolapse uterus is in women when your uterus, um, which is held up there by your pelvic floor muscles, if those muscles get a little bit weak or you've had a lot of children or you have some other kind of medical problem in your pelvic region, your uterus can simply fall down. Gravity is working against you. Your uterus sits there um, above your vaginal canal, and it can simply lower into the vaginal canal, right into your vagina. If it comes all the way out, it's visible. But if it's just coming down an inch or two, it doesn't come out of your body, but it can cause 
pressure it can cause um, on on the surrounding structures, usually your bladder, and so you get urinary incontinence. I would see a gynecologist for that. There are some treatments for a prolapsed uterus. Okay, how about this one? I um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm done. Let's see if I can find one here. Here's a texter about e-cigarettes. It says perhaps it would be more appropriate to say e-cigarettes are less toxic than cigarettes, I rather than healthier. Thank you for that text messenger. I agree completely. I, I had talked in the first half of the show about e-cigarettes being healthier than smoked cigarettes. They're not healthier. That's a that's a great point. You know, I'm just you know when I'm talking here, I don't sometimes use all the best words. They are less toxic than smoked cigarettes, but they are not healthy. <laughs> um, and let's not get that impression. Um, here's someone is asking, um, I have an onset of TMJ, that's temporal mandibular joint. Is that something only a dentist can treat? And what are the causes, concerns, and treatments? TMJ is a, is a bodily structure. It's your jaw joint. Your temporal mandibular joint is the joint between your temporal bone, which is your skull, and your mandibular bone, which is your jaw. It's that right below your ear. It's That's, that's where your joint is that allows us to talk and swallow and all that stuff. Um, I, if you're having temporal mandibular or TMJ joint pain or problems, you can see a number of people. Yes, you can see a dentist. They are experts in mouth and jaw. You can see a, an oral surgeon, a, a specialized kind of dentist. You can see a physical therapist. There are physical therapists who specialize in TMJ problems, and a lot of people don't think of that. Check ours out at Hennepin if you would like. Again, it's the number, same number as I said before, 612-873-6963. You might want to see a physical therapist. That's a great place to go as well. Somebody wants to know about, is there a prime time to get a flu shot? Is now. A, no. Don't wait. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah you, you should get your flu shot now. I don't want to hear any more about how it's not 100% effective. Nothing's 100% effective. You should get your flu shot now. Seatbelts aren't 100% effective, but you'd wear those, wouldn't you? Get your flu shot. And plus, one more comment about flu shots. It's not about you. It's not just about you. Don't tell me that, well, I never got the flu, so I'm not getting it again. You're not just getting it for yourself. You're getting the flu shot for the community. Do it for society. You're doing it for older folks. You're doing it for people with health care conditions. You're doing it for children. That's why you must get a flu shot. That's the rule. Do uh, I have time for any more? I might be out of time. There are several people who did comment about the stem cells. Mm-hmm. Thank you to all of you because I don't know anything. Many of them use your own stem cells is what the text, the texters are telling mm-hmm. me. When you get stem cell injections, I've heard from people in Rochester and St. Cloud and the Twin Cities just on the text line. They're, they use your own stem cells. Now, next week's show is going to be very interesting. What are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about, about um, dermatology, but we're going to talk dermatology. Things that, dermatology. You know, a lot of people have things that are bugging them about their skin. There are loads of treatments about that. We're going to talk to two dermatologists who do cosmetic dermatology. And we'll get the listeners involved as well. We'll see you uh, next week with more Healthy Matters here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Currently in the Twin Cities, 29 degrees. Stay with us. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.